I'm LZ Granderson, and this is Life Out Loud. I started following Daniel Newman on Instagram because he's hot. There, I said it. And it's okay. I mean, he's a model, so that goes for the territory. I'm sharing this information because we're all about honest conversations, and I'm not going to sit here feeding into this idea that we have to be either asexual or that couple from the notebook in order to have our rights. Yes, love is love. But you know, lust is lust too, and that needs to be okay. After all, if full equality is the thing we're all pushing for, then we need the space to have that part of our humanity as well, because it's not like our heterosexual counterparts are shy about it. And this is how Daniel and I became friends. We go there about thirst traps and youth culture, the party scene, sliding into DMs, and what exactly is queer visibility anyway? That's what makes The Walking Dead actor and musician so interesting. His willingness to be so freaking real with himself as well as his fans. Not to mention the fact that he was hit by a drunk driver, died, and was literally brought back to life like an episode of Touched by an Angel. I'll admit, when a thunderstorm interrupted the recording before it even got started, I briefly wondered if God had changed his mind. I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. But it did thunder a lot, so you guys can make of it what you will. I'm so, so happy and flattered that you agreed to do this, because I literally just slid into your DMs. I'm super, super honored to be on your show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Do you remember the first time you became aware of something other than heterosexuality or straight. Sorry. Oh. Wow, did it come I across like a thunderous re- applause like that when you realized that yeah. <laughs> bisexuality was a thing? I think we literally just got struck by lightning. <laughs> the light. We got caught in the middle of a thunderstorm. Take uh, two. Okay. Uh, the first time you were aware of something other than straight. I think it was me getting caught with the preacher's son in our playhouse <laughs> next door. That would do it. That would do it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and my parents sitting me down to have a conversation about how um, how that was supposed to be saved for when I get married. And um, they were really polite about it. But, you know, young parents, they didn't really know what to how to have that conversation. So it sounds as if your parents' response wasn't homophobic as much as it was, that's not the path of traditional Christianity, like you're supposed to wait until you're married. Is that accurate? Looking back now, any time that I've actually opened up and talked to my parents openly, um, it's pretty much been 100% loving and supportive. I mean, I think my dad was definitely a big Irish Catholic guy so i'm sure i got some ooh or gross i definitely heard him saying ooh and gross to uh gay people on television growing up um like which characters i can't remember i just remember vaguely getting the impression that my dad thought it was gross growing up um 80s and 90s tv gay characters were always slapstick they were always the ooh gross moment. They were always either that or the super flamboyant, we're going to laugh at gay people. That just goes to show you how incredible this LGBTQ movement and all the allies and all the hard work 
put in has just changed the whole world. It's changed the whole media concept of our community and equality and removing that horrible, ridiculous uh, stigma that, that we grew up with. You know, when I was watching your um, video that you posted after coming out mm -hmm. in 2017. If you uh, are watching this, then you know what it's about. Um, you saw my Twitter, Instagram. It was just time. It was time. One of the things I really identified with was this trying to find your place given the framework or the ecosystem yeah. you just described. When we're doing amazing things and having incredible things, pro athletes, celebrities, um, doctors, lawyers, heroes in every community and neighborhood, when you are accomplishing incredible things and you're hiding who you are, you're hurting hundreds of millions of people. We're not only talking about straight and gay here, we're talking about masculine and feminine identities and, and all of the diversity within it. Everybody needs to have role models and representation. I absolutely love and adore Pose and RuPaul's Drag Race and uh, the more effeminate gay men were the soldiers. They were, ironically, the powerhouse because they had to be. Um, they couldn't hide in a closet. They walked into a room and people were aware they were gay. And so they, throughout history, have always been the strongest um, ones that are fighting and defining our community and helping create our rights and moving everything forward and being the visible ones. Um, and ironically... The, the tough football players and the bro jocks and stuff that were in the closet were supposed to be the tough ones, you know, <laughs> the ones hiding. And, and because you could hide under the radar, we could hide under the radar. And especially coming from kind of Midwest America or South America, um, you have that don't ask, don't tell. It's nobody's business. Just keep your mouth shut and don't upset your parents you know but that's like a form of homophobia in and of itself wouldn't you say a total it's self-homophobia you're totally embarrassed to be yourself a lot of the football players that i talk to and and pro sports athletes and rappers and uh business leaders they still tell me like i don't want to come out of the closet i don't see any dudes that look like me or act like me and therefore it's not comfortable or popular for me to come out there's nobody in the public forum that my family can look at and be like oh you're like this person how do you know the difference between you just being yourself and you subconsciously trying to find a, a foothold within toxic masculinity or traditional gender presentation how do you know you're just being daniel i don't because growing up, it wasn't even a straight gay thing. It was like, don't act like a girl. Boys don't walk like that. Boys don't act like that. Boys don't talk like that. And so for me to be my authentic self and just completely comfortable, I think I do break all of those norms and I do do whatever I feel is comfortable. I don't check myself. But at the same time, I know that I was raised in that and so i don't really have control over my subconscious um patterns 
that I've now done since I was two years old, you know. This is such a good therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, you know, it's, it's funny that you're that you're saying this because I think I'm talking to my therapist. <laughs> this, this is this is good for me too because we we do have that aspect of our journeys in common. Yeah, and I'm constantly am reassessing, right? Like I'm yeah. trying to make sure that I'm being authentically myself. Yeah, and not trying to adhere to something that I've adopted as truth. It's such a, a gray line to say what's natural and not when we've been socially conditioned into you know, almost every aspect of our identity now. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, one of the things that I'm learning from you <laughs> is being comfortable with my sexuality beyond just identifying what that sexuality is. Oh, good. Like, like case in point, you you tweeted something recently. I'm just going to oh, read no. the tweet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. You, you, listen, you put it out there to the world, so I'm going to read you your receipts. Just yes. call me Costco. Oh. I'm about to read your receipts. Oh, damn. All right. OMG, I need a man. Not to date, not to love, dot, dot, dot. I have a bear for that. Just for some great blank right about now. Why is the gym always get me like this? I would never in a gazillion years. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, well, number one, Mr. Bear is my dog for clarity. I have a bear for that. <laughs> so Mr. Bear is my dog. That is one thing. Talking about, like, have you decided to be your authentic self? Every day we get bombarded with um people naturally expressing their heterosexuality and oh that girl's so hot look at her butt you know rappers songs movies you never hear gay people speaking publicly sexually it's very derogatory to their business to their professionalism that's something that only straight men can do we're not comfortable with just being a natural you know red-blooded man or woman having a sex drive and you know being comfortable to talk about it do you fear or have any concern at all that being this open about your sexuality is maybe too much for casting agents or maybe too much for hollywood or maybe too much for the general population no i have a luxurious position um, cause I died in 2009. I got run over by a drunk driver. Um, and thankfully Cedar cyanide was right down the street. The witnesses got the ambulance out and they brought me back to life and, you know, years of, uh, physical therapy and surgery, relearning my entire life again. 
um, learning how to walk again, talk again, getting basically I'm bionic, like all my legs, arms, teeth, jaw, brain, um, they had titanium and surgery. So that woke me up. It made me realize how quick life is. And it made me realize my values. And when I came back, my values are human values. Um, I don't have a, a value for a role more than speaking my truth. And so, yeah, growing up, I didn't hear a voice that I really identified with and I always wanted it. And then once I did the TV shows and Walking Dead and things like that and had, you know, all of the, the people watching, um, just hearing the feedback just, just is what I want. You know, people saying I came out of the closet because I read your messages and you were the first person I related to. It's so important now as ever to be brave, to be public, to be open, and to let people feel comfortable with themselves um, when they don't feel like they have a voice or being able to express how they feel. Speaking of expressions, anyone who follows you on Instagram know that you like to express yourself physically. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, who is that for? I personally really don't like Instagram models that play dumb. <laughs> Did you know you were one? Oh, I hope that no, I don't play dumb. <laughs> I think I'm very I think I'm very transparent. The the Instagram models that play dumb that are like, oh, it's just a picture of me. I just happen to be flexing at this particular moment <laughs> that I'm reading a book. And I'm not naturally in shape. I'm naturally chubby and out of shape. So if I'm flexing, I'm going to get my money's worth. I'm going to be like, y'all, <laughs> I've been to the gym every freaking day for the last month. I hate it so much. So let me get some showtime. So, yeah. So you're saying it's not a thirst trap because you're very transparent in why you're posting the photos to begin with. Oh, yeah. So you're never going to see a naturally hot photo of me. That's just <laughs> not going to happen. If there's a hot photo of me, it's been so photoshopped and like worked really, really hard on. <laughs> and I probably just like tripped and fell right before it. Or the photographer was like, hey, get the spinach out of your teeth. <laughs> so yeah. you're saying you were an out of shape chubby kid growing up in Atlanta? Is that true? Oh, dude. Yeah, I got I got bullied and beaten my whole childhood. Um, I had horrible acne i had braces i just was super scared to be myself because i again i didn't fit in i think that's why i went into acting because i was like i've been an actor just to survive my whole childhood you know we we joked earlier about you know how sex positive you are but you're also very faith positive as well yeah did you grow up in a very spiritual or religious household or was that something you adopted later in life oh very much my dad was very irish catholic and my mom was just very spiritual but it was the great side of christianity that i was raised in um the non-judgmental side the the overview that i got was beautiful music beautiful gospel music fun loving southern crowd and good barbecues and every straight person i know is out having sex all the time playing basketball getting laid the parents support you know their their youth going and dating some hot girl 
So everybody has been sex positive. My entire childhood has been very sex positive. The only thing that wasn't sex positive was um, gay people. And so that is probably, I guess subconsciously, maybe that's where I'm coming from, is that number one, when we talk about sex positive, we talk about sex positive responsibly. What does that mean? Well, number one is there, especially in Atlanta, there is a high HIV rate, um, HIV AIDS. And so um, that's what I'm talking about, being responsible physically, um, using condoms. And also, when we're talking about sex positivity, we're talking about consenting adults. And it's got to be with, you know, no, no manipulation no lies no cheating no um i mean i'm sober so i'm talking about sober sex i mean literally that i did not have sober sex until i got sober uh seven years ago and that was a big thing too like i couldn't have um i couldn't have gay sex sober i just was so conflicted um i think by all the brainwashing growing up and also then coming into the gay community having um body issues you know so many people are just like oh you have to be in shape and blah 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 and so you're 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 telling me not to cut you off but i just want to make sure i'm clear yeah no you really felt as if yeah. part of your addiction was somewhat of a cushion to help you have same sex a hundred percent wow a hundred percent and not just not just same sex but sex period i was 22 years old i thought i wanted to get married before i had sex and then i had started bartending and working in nightclubs and i just felt like such a hero and a god when i was drunk mm. i just felt like i ruled the world and i felt like people liked me and I was finally accepted for who I was. It was all these things that I believed alcohol gave me. I thought in my mind, I needed alcohol to be confident, to hit on somebody, to um, feel comfortable naked, to perform well sexually, to even hang out with my friends. If I didn't drink, they would look at me like, what the hell? Are you sick? Is something wrong with you? So that was a, that's a whole different conversation of socially supported alcoholism that we don't want to talk about because it's so normal. But I talk about it now daily with friends of mine that are like, dude, I cannot stop drinking. Like, my friends never want to go do anything without drinking. So I have um, a sleeve that I'm building, and it's filled with song lyrics. Some of them are from musicals like Wicked. Some of them are from like, you know, movies, blah, blah, blah. Tattoo sleeve? Tattoo sleeve, yes, sir. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Cool. I'm really happy. You know, obviously during the pandemic, I couldn't get any more, but I'm looking forward to getting started now that, you know, I'm vaccinated. So and, cool. But one of, the, one of the tats, one of the lyrics is from Pink's Sober and is, uh, how do I feel this good sober? sober. Mm -hmm. And I never had an addiction issue per se. Mm -hmm. but I was cognizant of the dynamic you're talking about. Yeah. Which is using, it was alcohol for me as a way to puff myself up. Yeah. Right. I always felt like I was dealing with imposter syndrome. 
But if I were drinking, then I kind of had like this protective shield that allowed me to navigate these environments without feeling like I didn't belong. Yeah. And that sounds like you were sort of dealing with some of the same issues. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's not, it's not unique. I mean, it's, we all are doing that and our, our society just supports it. So we don't check in with ourselves to question, is this normal? Is this weird? For me, I think a lot of it has to do with addressing this obsession with youth. And, and of course, I'm speaking strictly, yeah. you know, from a gay man's perspective, you know, because that's the only mm-hmm. perspective I'm qualified to speak in, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. But there yeah. is an obsession with youth, looking young, wearing the right clothes, being at the right parties, like a lot of effort for external presentation which can be, depending upon the person, be used as a canvas or a cover so that you don't have to do the real work of internal work, of internal exploration and introspection. Mm -hmm. Growing up, you know, in the 80s and 90s to see where we're at right now, where gay is a incredibly valuable currency, that never happened. If somebody came out, it destroyed their currency back in the day. If somebody was a politician or an actor or a pro athlete or a public figure, it almost always destroyed their public image or their brand or their product. So that enormously is is such a blessing now that people are actually using coming out to help their brand, to help get followers and get money. Even though it's a very sensitive topic about commercialization, the fact that money is flowing in the trillions into LGBTQ and gay everything is just an amazing benefit to everyone because you know money changes laws. Money provides healthcare. Money provides advertising and marketing um, visibility changes hearts and minds. A president of the United States praising trans um, and LGBTQ, the White House going with a rainbow. I mean, these are central landmarks in the hearts and minds of everyone globally. Yes, we are backtracking on other ways, but we've, we've never had this much groundbreaking progress in such a short amount of time. Um, in history, none of us have power against the homophobic people unless we all unite, you know, come together as a full LGBTQ, white, black, uh, bi, trans, non-binary, everything into one group and, and really fight for holistic equality. That is really, really beautifully said. What does life out loud look like for you in our community 10 years from now? Well, hopefully very dignified. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure if you're really leading the charge in the dignified area. I'm just going to be real with you. (laughs) Yeah, honey, I'm going to have to grow up. Got to grow up. No, 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 no. Please don't. Please don't. Um. (laughs) In the next 10 years, living out loud really is just um, 
I don't know. I've kind of always had this battle of public versus private image and whether I, I am interested in continuing any kind of public image. Um, but if I do, I just would hope that it would be a great role model for people, um, whoever relates to me and that I hope I bring my, I do my best to have my history and actions really edify our culture. And I hope to contribute just like everybody else, um, to our culture and, and positivity and, and, uh, a positive influence. Well, Mr. Newman, I do believe you're on a positive step towards that direction. That is for sure. Thank you so much. I know you are. And I'm <laughs> super honored that you even asked me to do this. So, Oh man, thank you. Thank you so, so much. On the next episode of life out loud, I talk with a group of trailblazing politicians from different generations and backgrounds who defied the odds by getting elected to office while also being out and proud Americans, including Sarah McBride, who made history by becoming the first openly transgender state senator in the country. I mean, I'm human, and so there are days where I'm just tired <laughs> of, of always being the, the go-to trans person in a space. But I'm also mindful that I am the only trans person in a space, and that demonstrates my luck and my privilege. You don't want to miss this powerful episode. Life Out Loud with LZ Granderson is a production of ABC Audio, produced by Trevor Hastings. Thanks to senior producers Tony Morrison and Robert Cepeda. What's up, boys? Associate producers are David Toledo and Madeline Wood. The executive producers of Life Out Loud are Eric Johnson and Liz Alessi. Special thanks to Mark Anthony Harris Gardner, John Howarth, Kieran McGurl, Elena Genovese Picard, Joel Lyons, Jonathan Fagg, Joyita Bizras, and the Pride ABC and Own Television Stations Employee Resource Group. And a big shout out to Josh Cohan, Elizabeth Russo, Ariel Chester, Ali Yang, Hal Arenal Thiel, Brian Choi, and Stacia Dushisku. I'm LZ Granison. Girl, wasn't that good? <laughs>